Welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Good morning and a very warm welcome to the next episode of Property Portfolio Podcast. My name's Mark Stokes and today I'm going to be talking about a lifelong passion that I've had for watches, Formula One and high performance outcomes. It's certainly a culture I've been involved with for probably about 30, 35 years now. And there's a real connection between each one of those, those high performance outcomes, the assuredness, watches, precision engineering, and Formula One. And so I'll also be talking about some of the other uh, passions that I have, which really link in with those subjects. But let's talk about watches for a start. My passion for horology, for the study of watches, has uh, gone back to the early 90s. And in fact, probably the day my uh, my grandma bought me uh, my first Timex watch. I remember as a young lad going to the jeweler's and receiving my first wristwatch, a Timex wristwatch, which I still have. Um, And that fascination with mechanical watch movements, precision engineering, techniques that have gone back centuries and still remain exactly the same today, has been absolutely fascinating for me. The complications that put into watches, and for those who don't know, complications are each individual element of a watch that it that it does. So that might be the first hand, the hour hand, the second hand, um, the minute hand, the date, uh, a chronograph function, a stopwatch function, um, the day, um, different time zones, different complications, which all require a phenomenal level of planning, of design, of stewardship, of engineering and craftsmanship excellence bar none. And that's why I really enjoy the study of watches. I've been a watch collector for for many years, um, and it's a real zero-tolerance industry, that precision engineering. And I guess that zero-tolerance, I have no time for opinion engineering or for people just talking for talking sake or small talk. You know, it's that zero tolerance for noise. You know, it's uh, it's having that uh, absolute focus for those assured outcomes. And that's the culture that we really enjoy. And the culture of, of horology, of, of watchmaking, it's about pushing boundaries. It's about where the functionality meets the name, the brand, um, and the desirability of a product always pushing those boundaries, making things smaller, thinner, more functional, um, different movements, different um, enhancements, different uh, power capacity, power reserve um, in the movement. Um, and my, my particular passion is with uh, with Rolex watches, mainly Rolex tool watches. So what is a tool watch? Well, a tool watch is something that has a purpose. So a, a Rolex Submariner would be a diver's watch. A Rolex uh, Daytona would be a racing car driver's watch. Uh, It measures uh, distance and time. And a uh, maybe something like an Air King or a GMT might be a pilot's watch. And so that's that's my that's my passion there. 
and I, what I also love about uh, about life is is business. Um, it's not just about property for me. It's uh, my real passion is about business. And if you think of the the phenomenal marketing engine that is Rolex, it's just absolutely superlative. It's got brand quality. It's got exclusivity. It's got quality in the product. It's got secrecy. It's got scarcity. And it's got that elite caliber. Um, so they've worked really hard. Um, and, and let's go back to one of those. And that's the, the secrecy element. You know, there's a lot of history with, with Rolex. Um, I don't know whether you know, most people would say it's a Swiss company, and they'd probably be right. But it was originally founded uh, in London um, over 100 years ago. So it was founded in London, and it was moved across for tax reasons uh, to, to Switzerland. Um, Rolex is a, a foundation. Uh, officially, it's a not-for-profit. We can't actually see its uh, balance sheet and profit and loss um, because that, that, that's held privately within its uh, charitable uh, foundation trust. Um, quite intriguing as to how it plows back uh, and creates, uh, creates it's, a, it's a business for good, an organisation for good, and the Rolex Foundation helps many people around the world. And Rolex uh, as well. I mentioned the Rolex Daytona racing driver's watch. It's the epitome of cool for many, um, immortalized by um, Paul Newman. In fact, the Paul Newman uh, Daytona um, is still the most expensive wristwatch ever sold. It was sold in New York by Philips in October 2017 uh, for 17.8 million US dollars, including buyer's premium. Absolutely phenomenal watch. Um, it's got that immortal inscription, drive carefully me on the back. Uh, Paul Newman's wife gave it to him. Allegedly, she bought it in Tiffany's in 1968 in, in New York and gave him that inscription. And she paid uh, 200 US dollars for that. So a little bit of appreciation. Um, 1968 to 2017 went from $200 to $17.8 million US dollars. Quite incredible. But what's so special about the uh, Rolex Daytona? Well, it's got a, a, a tachymetric scale, so it measures distance over time. And I just want to read out some of the, the, the marketing, some of the, the text and the copy that Rolex talk about the Daytona. I think it really strikes home, certainly does with me. The Oyster Perpetual Cosmograph Daytona is the ultimate tool watch for those with a passion for driving and speed. Introduced in 1963, the Cosmograph Daytona was designed to meet the demands of professional racing drivers. It is an icon forever joined in name and function to the high-performance world of motorsport. It transcends time. And uh, there's a, a type of Rolex uh, Daytona which you can't buy, and, and that's uh, the winner of the Rolex uh, uh, Rolex-sponsored Daytona Um uh, speedway event in the US, the motor racing iconic event, and the winners get a, a Daytona. So there's a, another example. I'm actually wearing a, an example here on my, my wrist at the moment. This is the Daytona 116500LN, which is classically called the, the Panda Dial. Uh, real, real classic there. Um, so, you know, it sits there. I, I love wearing these watches. Many would say it belongs in the safe because it's a, a very highly appreciating uh, watch. Is it an asset? Well, look, it's, a, it's an appreciating 
um, asset, but it doesn't throw off cash flow. Uh, and therefore, you need to be very clear on how you're managing your, your personal wealth on how much wealth you put into non-cash flow generating uh, assets, of course. But let's just stick with the subject of, of high caliber performance and, and move to a, another um, superlative watch brand, and that's Patek Philippe, another Swiss brand. And they also have great marketing um, and iconic marketing. You've probably seen it before, but I want to read it to you again because this has stayed with me ever since the first day, probably over 20 years ago, um, that I read it. Patek Philippe in their advertising say, you never own a Patek Philippe. You merely look after it for the next generation. And I think this connection with that multi-generational legacy, I've always had a passion of growing a legacy, but my focus has always been creating the custodianship of that legacy. If you imagine the the, the leg, the, um, lottery winner, you know, receiving all those funds, not being able to be equipped on how to, to use those funds. And it's really hurt and damaged and destroyed many, many people winning the lottery. Um, so this connection with that multi-generational legacy and, and actually equipping our younger generation with the skills so they can receive this legacy that we work really hard for, that I can enjoy that baton change of handing over the the keys to the kingdom, but also um, the skills to take it to a far better place in time, putting their personal stamp on it and being able to handle that level of responsibility. So that connection with with quality through Rolex, through Patek Philippe, it exudes into every part of what Nigel and I uh, do, and we're both avid watch collectors, um, is that that connection with quality that that stands the, the test of time you know, they're enduring assets, they're enduring products. Um, they're not fashion. Fashion's temporary. We're not interested in something fashionable that'll last a year or two years. This is about class, timeless class, pieces which will endure uh, over decades and decades to come. They will appreciate the wheels of compounding. We've seen how a 200 pound 1968 acquisition um, was sold for 17.8 million. Okay, it was owned by the great uh, Paul Newman, um, but those 200 pound watches, there's only two to three thousand of, of that particular type in the world today, and all of those are going to be worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, anyway. So just taking the Paul Newman exclusivity factor out of it. So that um, appreciation um, of the asset value and, and compounding. But also the last two, and that's the enjoyment. You know, wearing this watch on my wrist now, it's not, well, it's locked in the safe normally, but, you know, I take it out of the safe and, and watch it. I look after it, but I also enjoy it. But also these, um, these acquisitions are also there not only to be enjoyed, but also to inspire as well. My children love looking at the watch collection, love being inspired, love looking at some of my watches have got an exhibition back, which is a a clear-faced back, um, so they can see the mechanical movement there. They can see that precision engineering, the planning, the attention to detail that will stand them in good stead in future years. So that's that, that inspiration. And Nigel and I have had many years now um, working in environments that have zero tolerance. If I take you back to our involvement over 
well, since 1992 through to 2015, we were at the vanguard there of creating mission-critical infrastructure, data centres, mission-critical facilities um, that we deployed throughout Europe, Middle East, and the Asia-Pacific region. These data centres were categorised by the Uptime Institute, uh, generally tier two, three, or four. They would be 99.999% resilient, which in effect means the lights just simply cannot go out. I didn't meet a single client who really would accept the 0.001% chance the lights would go out. So we had backup and resilience And creating that resilient infrastructure was incredibly important. And I believe it's incredibly important to every one of us to become resilient. It's a responsibility, an obligation we have to ourselves, to our family, to create that resilience. We can't uh, can't understand every externality. We certainly can't control every externality. But we can build in the resilient protection systems that will help us endure through some of the toughest crises. And that's really important for us. And I know we work extensively with our mentees to help them and provide those controls, that uh, that personal wealth dashboard, that pit wall telemetry, um, so they can understand the resilience and the, um, the infrastructure that they have and the resources at their disposal. So the type of infrastructure we would be creating would support um, huge um, a huge increase in speed of transactions across the world and, and volume. In the 90s and 2000s, we certainly um, saw the growth of the, the internet and organizations like Amazon. We saw massive exponential growth in credit cards, uh, in trading. We also saw um, how competitive advantage in trading was really important. If you look at high-frequency trading, you'll see forex forex, uh, transactions at high frequency. They're trading in milliseconds. They're certainly not going to bed at night with open positions. They're trading multiple times per second. And for that, you need highly resilient infrastructure. So we're talking about microseconds. Um, to create additional competitive advantage. And if you want to, there's a really interesting book. Here's a recommendation for you. I don't make too many recommendations, but um, here's a book by Michael Lewis, who, if you don't know Michael Lewis, he, he's, he writes some phenomenal books. So it's called Flash Boys. Flash Boys by Michael Lewis. Great recommendation. And it's a, it's a book about uh, high-frequency trading, some of the pitfalls, but also some of the infrastructure. And that was the infrastructure that we deployed in the 90s, 2000s to support um, this huge wave of, of transactions. And, and likewise, it is in, in property. Uh, in property, we're looking at market growth. We're looking at opportunity. Um, we're looking at the opportunity to, to seize the moment, to take those opportunities um, to create a- uh, assets, assets that will endure, they'll appreciate, capitally appreciate, and will create, create cash flow. And we need to be direct to the vendor, possibly, direct to the nub of the issue, circumnavigate certain traditional aspects, um, but remaining compliant at all times. Um, Another recommendation for you on the same theme as as infrastructure is a film called The Hummingbird Project. And The Hummingbird Project, if you imagine the speed of light, communications going down a fibre optic cable, down at the speed of light, 
you know, it's instantaneous between here and New York, but there is a delay. Even light has a needs time to travel. And what the Hummingbird Project did, it put in fibre optic cables. It, sh- it charts the journey of putting fibre optic cables across from east to west of the US in as straight a line as possible, because any deviation um, to that journey would add additional metres. Um, and we're talking literally metres, but those metres per county adds up to kilometres overall. Um, which means speeds. So the straighter you can get that line, the less coils, even putting a cable diagonally across a room rather than around the skirting uh, edge of the room will bring a significant advantage. It will save a few nanoseconds. So the Hummingbird Project, have a look at that. This is focus on attention to detail. And I said I would I would also bring this back to Formula One as well, which is a, another passion of Nigel and, and mine. I still believe Formula One is not only the ultimate team sport. Uh, I believe it's a phenomenal example of a global business. It really is. It's a global juggernaut that touches so many different industries and elements. You know, what have we got in the in the business? Well, there's design, there's engineering, there's policy, there's decision making, there's competition. There's exquisite execution. There's team orders. There's the real-time decision-making, tactics, marketing, sales, sponsorship, funding. You've got the the sportsmen and women uh, involved in all levels of Formula 1, 2, 3. They're they're athletes. They've got to be fit for purpose. They've got to be ready to perform. So exquisite attention to every element um, of the athlete themselves. And that enables organisations like Red Bull. Red Bull are are renowned for having the fastest pit stops. Um, They set the record at the Brazilian Grand Prix in 2019, uh, changing four wheels on a uh, pit stop in 1.82 seconds. Look it up on uh, YouTube. 1.82 seconds. The the tyres barely come off the tarmac before they back down again and straight back out. Phenomenal precision engineering. And the water cooler scenario in Formula One is incredibly important. They work on fast track feedback loops. Okay, after every pit stop, they'll go into a huddle, have a chat around the water cooler, dissect everything that happened. What could we do different? Some of the most um, calamitous failures in Formula One have led to some of the most phenomenal steps forward. And it can sometimes just little things. Confusion on a pit stop has led to the jacks being dropped, the car accelerating away when the wheel nut hasn't been secured. So one of the innovations that they did was that one person, rather than everybody put their hands up when they're finished on all four corners of the car, one person holds their hand up and they have a different colored glove. They have a green glove or a red glove. And then the jack the jackman, the jackman is looking for four red gloves. Once he sees four red gloves, not a sea of hands, four red gloves, drops the jack, and away they go. And, of course, the pit stop rules are, are changing at the moment with the FIA. Um, but phenomenal telemetry. And my wife and I saw the telemetry at first hand. We, we were fortunate enough to, at the Melbourne Grand, Grand Prix, we used to live in Sydney, the Melbourne Grand Prix, we were given the opportunity to hop in the FIA helicopter 
and uh, look down at the track. And, and the FIA helicopter manages the telemetry, or did at that time, uh, between the, the up-down links between the cars and the, uh, the pit walls. So we were up at three, four, five thousand feet in a helicopter watching what looked like scale electric uh, tracks. But it was phenomenal seeing the, the engineering um, behind the FIA to support the teams to support the, the race execution. And we can also see how Formula One is driving technological advancements. The innovation that it's creating is seeping into everyday life whether it be the KERS system, kinetic energy recovery system, that takes the, the energy of braking and puts that into, into the battery charging system, whether it be the enhancement of safety cells um, that has made its way into, into uh, vehicle manufacturing, and particularly carbon fibre reinforcement and construction, Formula One has really led the way in, in those designs. Um, we've got changes in tyre design, wear and tear, you know, the partnership that FIA have with, with Pirelli, designing the tyres so they're more reliable. And we've got active suspension, traction control. The advancement of, of aerodynamics um, has been, been amazing. And you see some of those traits in some of the more high-performance uh, cars on the road today. And, uh, and paddle shift gearboxes, of course, uh, something renowned for that's coming into not just higher-end models now, but... Paddle shifts are, are quite often seen in, in medium family cars these days as well. So that's me speaking really from the heart on some of the passions that, that I have for creating that multi-generational legacy, that focus, that attention to detail, um, looking at my lifelong passions and emerging the, the passion and the profession, if you like, the, the mission-critical infrastructure, the attention to detail, putting that in our, all of our businesses that Nigel and I operate uh, in our passion for horology and, and watch collection, Formula One, and ultimately those high-performance assured outcomes. And thus, we enjoy sharing that. We share that regularly with, with our mentees and on our mastermind groups um, in ECRA Academy. And I hope you get some, some real enjoyment and benefit out of this episode right from the heart for me. It's my passion. You'll normally find a, a nice watch on my wrist. Um, you won't find them in the safe. You know, they, they, they belong there. They need to be enjoyed. They inspire me. They inspire others. And, um, and, and so does Formula One as well. And look at the attention that Sky has put into um, the, um, the chronological events of a Formula One team um, over the course of the, the Thursday through to the, uh, the Sunday evening. You really see backstage what it takes to, to draw a team together and create a high-quality team performance and go again a fortnight later, really learning from those lessons. So there we go. There's a, an episode on my lifelong passion for watches, Formula One, and high-performance outcomes. And I'll see you next week. You take care. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.